This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 429. Claudia Ricard on anchoring a communication skill. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. You are about to listen to a conversation that I've been wanting to have for quite some time, and it solidly delivers everything from politely telling people that they smell to important and sentimental and incredibly emotional stories about making bunnies with uh, shadow puppet figures with your hands, as well as truly informing us how we can become much more effective and creative working with our clients. Hey, it's Jason Lynette here, and welcome back to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast program. And this week, my guest is Claudia Ricard, talking about anchoring and communication and the skills that we create. And this is just an incredible, wide-open conversation in terms of transparency and honesty. And what I love about it, too, is incredible real-world examples of the work really being put into use. So I'm going to point you over to the show notes for this week's episode, which you can find over at worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 429. That will redirect over to where you can find a copy of her book, as well as her websites, her communities, but truly somebody who is out there as a worker in this industry and creating significant impact and definitely someone to keep an eye out for because, well, we get appropriately cryptic toward the end, There's some massively awesome things in the works, so stay tuned. We'll be updating the page over at worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 429 as we get around to that. For those of you that work interactively with your clients, for those of you that work with athletes, people in business, children, I think I'm kind of creating a list here that would be um, anybody. If you have any interest in working with people with Hypnosis for Change, this is a must-listen-to episode. So again, it's session number 429. You can find the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 429. And while you're there, in just about four or five weeks' time, we are kicking off with once again another Work Smart Hypnosis Live and Online training and certification event. Now, here's what's interesting about this event. First of all, you get two hypnotists, two instructors for the price of one. Okay, yeah, I had to be playful with that part of it. But no, for a number of years, I've brought on Dr. Richard Nongard as a co-host to this event for two reasons. One, the approach that he's helped to really elevate in our industry, that of evidence-based hypnosis, taking the work of the research that's been done the last 40 or 50 years and... um can I say it? Finally, updating the common language and vernacular of a lot of the work that we do based upon the strategies that have been proven to work, as opposed to the traditions that many of us were trained to stand upon. So that's that dialogue that if you want to speed up the results that you're getting with your client, if you want to get more clients, if you want to get referrals for clients from the medical communities that some in our space would say, don't take us seriously. Well, this is the direct path to do that. Well, the first reason I brought him on is that. The second reason is that um, we may be hypnotic BFFs, best friends forever, and yet uh, we don't agree on a bunch of stuff. And it's where a couple of weeks ago, it was uh, session number 427, uh, the episode that came out on Thanksgiving Day, talking about that future of hypnosis survey that we did with Scott Sandland. It was something that uh, we brought up the topic in that dialogue, 
as to, as he would say, learn from people who disagree with each other. And this isn't me trying to spin his quote and come up with a better version, though if you ask me, it's a much better version of the quote. Learn from people who have different pathways to help their clients reach the same common goals, but may not necessarily agree on how to get there. Okay, Scott gets to keep that one. His is better phrasing. So it's where rather than the sort of plague that came into our industry for a bunch of years of the absolutism, this is the one way to do things. You know, Richard's approach is more Ericksonian in style and one based upon the clinical research and the modern methods for change that have been, you know, again, proven to actually work. Mine is this mixture of conversational influence as well as hypnotic phenomenon. Your client feels their problem. And because of that, no matter what their dominant representational systems are, they need to feel the change taking place too. Otherwise, you could have done everything right. And they leave going, well, that was interesting. Hope it worked. So it's this blending of these two styles, and it gives you a much more robust roadmap to dive in, which is part of why, check it out, worksmarthypnosislive.com. You can see the dates, watch the video tour on the page. And so, you know, classically, half of our students are brand new to hypnosis, seeking their first certification, and this is where they're beginning. Meanwhile, the other half may be a lot of folks out there like you who perhaps have already significant amounts of training. You're perhaps not yet getting the consistent results you want with your clients. Something that I've said around Richard approach or my approach has piqued your curiosity. And it's where, again, half the people taking the Work Smart Hypnosis Live event are brand new. The other half or perhaps even those professionally already seeing clients and joining to sharpen their skills and really expedite that change process. So check out the video tour, grab your spot now over at worksmarthypnosislive.com. And with that, let's dive directly in. This is one you got to listen to. It's phenomenal. Probably going to be back on the episode, back on the show in a several months too. Uh, so here we go. This is session number 429, Claudia Ricard on anchoring a communication skill. So my son had hypnosis for a difficult period in his life. And I was really intrigued by what is this hypnosis? What is it about? It helped him. It improved his, his behavior. So I went and did a, a course, a short course, an introductory course, and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I was really good at it. So I went on and did the uh, diploma. And of course, when you love something, you live, eat and breathe it. And I yep. read every book <laughs> I could find. Yes, I devoured it. And of course, I practiced it on everybody I could. And I got a distinction because that's what you do when you're a certain age and you love something. I love that. What's really interesting inside of that, too, is that it often is that personal entry point, whether it's us, whether it's someone that we directly know, I'd be curious what kind of kept that flame specifically burning to then not only go into a short course, but then to keep going at it too. Like what about it drew you to it? It was the change. I think it was the stories, the stories, yes, the Ericksonian stories, the way he could just create change by with such simple words without there being any drugs involved, without there being any kind of people being sent away to an institution, it was just seemed so easy. Yeah. Let's rewind it back though. What was the sort of direction of life prior to the hypnosis 
basically taking over. Yeah, so it's interesting. So I'd always been one of those people where people came to to tell their woes and their stories to. I was at boarding school and I was the girl that was friends with everybody. I was the one that would have to tell the other girls if they smelt. (laughs) (laughs) That's an essential life skill. It really is. Do you know what it is? Because it's quite a difficult thing to tell somebody in a kind way that you smell and nobody wants to sit next to you in the library. And still have them be your friend afterwards. And they were still my friend afterwards. Yes. So so I was one of those people. And then I went on to the London College of Fashion and I did a high national diploma. It was a business diploma in uh, beauty therapy. And I was more focused on the bodywork. So I became an aromatherapist and I was manageress of a big salon in London. And I absolutely loved it. I loved helping people again with the essential oils. Then I realized that actually it was, again, people that I was enjoying and trying to help with their issues. So I went on and did a started a degree in counseling. I did three years of that. And during that three years, I realized, because I was also married at the time, oh, I'm in this really bad marriage and I have a choice. That was the biggest word for me, Jason. Choice. We all have a choice. And I did not need to be in this bad marriage. So, and sadly, I never finished that degree. However, (laughs) I did the degree work. I learned a lot from it. And I then actually went into, as I say, my eldest son. He was then with his dad. That's why there was problems with his behavior. And he then had the hypnosis. And then I went into the hypnosis. And I'm resisting the urge to now riff on the fact that you were the one in boarding school letting people know that they smelled. And of course, then of course, you went into the aromatherapy, which just perfectly explains it. Uh, I'd be curious to ask though, from, from that background, what would you say were the skills that directly translated over to the work that you're doing now? Like what are the aspects that are, that are the constants between the old pathway and what you're now is your focus? Well, again, always, always listening always noting people's body language and how they look after themselves and communication is is absolutely vital because if you're going to massage somebody jason and they're naked then you have to know how to create rapport absolutely so those skills i completely translate into what i do now and funny enough also i'm very kinesthetic with being hands-on, and I, some of the tools that I use are all psychosensory and kinesthetic-led because I'm a certified havening practitioner. And so, yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Well, let's let's dive into that because a big part of one of the topics that I've heard you speak on before is that of anchoring, bringing in the kinesthetic to things. So, what what aspect do you feel that? fills in that completes for us in a way that let's say approaches that don't necessarily go that direction would leave out well I'll, t- I'll tell you my story and i hope this helps clarify my daughter when she was this is from my second marriage she when she was about three years old 
she would, and I know you've got children, so she would often get into bed with me and we would just play and do silly, silly talking and what have you. And I started doing shadow puppets with her. Do you remember the shadow puppets? So, and you know, if you put your finger and thumb together and then you curl your top fingers over and it looks like a little bunny rabbit, you doing that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know. Everybody will just do it automatically. Can't help it. Now, you and I both know that that is an anchor, creating that finger and thumb. It's like the circle of excellence. Yeah. Now, and we, we see people doing that all the time. We get people to do it if we're anchoring in good feelings. Now, when she was three years old, I had no idea about this, but we started doing mummy bunny and baby bunny, and we started talking. And I taught her the days of the week, months of the year, counting, all those sorts of things. And then sometimes I was the baby bunny and she'd be the mummy bunny, and I would get things wrong on purpose. And she would correct me in a really nice way, like saying, that's okay, don't worry, just have another go. So she learned to be kind. Forward on to when she's 15 years old and we come, we've already been in America now for three years. We arrived just before COVID. So she's now being having to be homeschooled, no friends. She is starting to do the behavior of self-harming. Now that, as you can imagine, is, is, is horrible. It's not nice for a parent to see their child with all these marks on them. And one night she she came through to me and she got into bed with me sobbing, absolutely sobbing her eyes out. So I had to leave because my husband was there. So we got, we went into her room and I was holding her and I said, do you want to tell me? Do you want to tell me about it? And she said, no, no, no. And Jason, don't ask me what made me do it. I got my mummy bunny out and she got her baby bunny out with the little ears down and she told mummy bunny what had been going on and she'd been abused. Now, she couldn't tell me, yet she could tell mummy bunny because Mummy Bunny offers, and always did, unconditional love, safety, and security. And Mummy Bunny doesn't judge. Mummy Bunny never got cross. And that was the bridge. And Jason, uh, it was only when I realized as I was doing this, because I've been doing all my hypnosis by then and NLP, was that, oh my goodness, all that time ago, I had anchored that feeling in without even knowing about it. Isn't that huge? It's amazing because it also helps to amplify how so much of this is not necessarily a, I've invented this method. I have crafted this process. It's instead modeling what people already have the capability of doing. Yes. What have people already got? they do without even realizing it and it's gold and it's that amazing aspect too of how it's what's already there what's already part of the experience and sure this is going to be a big part of this conversation like what has that now led to in terms of how you approach the work of change how you work with your clients 
So, well, I, t- I, I do I do use a lot of anchoring, but I've also with my I'll just I'll just finish this one off, Jason, if you don't mind. With my daughter, I then said to her that as, as, as we've been going on for walks now, she tells me everything now, Jason. She's 17 and she tells me all sorts, probably a little bit too much, but that's fine. I feel I feel honored and grateful. Be- better that than too little. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I said to her one day, because I'm also a, a memory consultant, so I help people living with dementia. And I said to her, if I ever get dementia, please, will you talk to me? If I forget you, please, will you talk to me with the bunnies, with the bunny gesture? Because I may forget you. I may forget all sorts of things but I will never forget the feeling that we get from this bunny gesture so that's huge as well isn't it so when you ask how has that affected my work I do I encourage people who I see to have an anchor with with their family and have their thing okay their 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 thing that they all laugh about um, that that brings them all together, especially for people when I see the carers as well for people living with dementia because I work as a team. And what is what 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 are the good things? What have you got? What is the song? What is the movie? What is the the photo album? Which one is it? The record? What 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 are the anchors? Well, I think back to working in theater and sometimes here'd be the actor, here'd be the performer that was perhaps later in their years. And it was until the moment of the dance began, until the moment of the singing or even the performing began, yet it suddenly just transformed into a completely different person, not just for the sake of stepping into a role, but there was something clearly kinesthetically anchored to that too. Yes, exactly. Because people then get into their flow, they get into their zone because they remember it. It's it, it's just remembered. It's mem- it's memory recall. It's it's in the body. So yeah, it's it's all so important. And if we can find those things out by getting curious and asking the right questions, then we can get there. And pe- families can create their own bonds, which they already have. Because I'm a great believer that everybody has, they all, everybody has the answers inside of them. We all know intuitively what, what we actually need to do. And I typically would wait towards later in this conversation, but I feel we have to right here. You've got a book available uh, about the bunny talk process. That's right. Yes. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's called A Parent's Journey and the Bunny Talk Process. And it's it's available on Amazon. I mean, it's really inexpensive. It's two dollars ninety nine. It's an ebook, and it is so easy to read. I made it for parents because I know, being a parent of five, that we do not have time to read. And we want and we want something now, snappy. I don't want the fluff and everything. I want to know it now. I'm curious what kind of feedback you received from that. Well, I've I've had good feedback. I've had one client who I asked to to get the book. She asked me to fix her son, and I asked her and her husband to come in for a session. Uh, again, I had to because I've had five children and two from the divorced, and I've got I'm a stepmother of two, so I haven't actually given birth to all five. 
but I've been there, done it. I've made pretty much every mistake possible. And that's all in the book. I give myself lots of grace because I did the best I could with the knowledge I had at the time. And as I'm seeing these parents, I'm saying, I, I really, I do not judge, but we, we got it to that they realized they were the issue. Okay. And I say it very, very nicely, just like I told that girl that she smelled <laughs> in a very nice way. I still had friends. I still had clients. <laughs> yes. And uh, she bought the, she bought my book and she sent me a message saying, oh, wow that poem that your daughter wrote you, because that's what my daughter does now. Instead of self-harming, she writes poetry. She, One of her poems is in my book. She said, I sat down with my son and I cuddled him and I told him, I'm sorry, I made some mistakes. And she said, and I've given him some love and hugs and I've told him that I love him. And I, I was just really pleased because I know she would have got that from the book. And it's uh, so if I could help even just one family, that's all that counts, isn't it? Well, it's also looking at it from, I, I bring up the angle as to it's where we get into this topic as to if it's a regression model, oh, here is the ISE, here was the moment. And it just also helps to clearly point out that it's not just the event, it's also the perception, it's also so much of the story around it. And to have those moments where someone can then say, okay, I did what I, from our phrasing, I did what I perhaps thought was best at the time. And now I know. And how the same series of events can lead to very different experiences and how something so simple as in perhaps, and I want to highlight this in a very playful way. It wasn't just that, okay, so now this book is teaching people to make bunny signals with their hands and that's the solution. No. Um, though, why not? It worked. Though, from the angle of this is what it informed, this is what it then set free, or to use the word from earlier, this is what it gave them a choice to then do differently. Yeah. And she could take responsibility and not just blame the child. Yeah. That there's something wrong with, with the child. Oh, actually, it, it, it really, actually, it could be us as well. And it's, a, it's, all, it's all about teamwork. So, and working together, you know. But in, the, in my book as well, I actually have 10 questions that people might like to ask themselves even before they have a child. Mm, and it's nice. great for topic, topic conversation for people if they're in, engaged or they're wanting to have a child. Because I tell you, if my, if my ex-husband and I had asked these questions, uh, we, we, we probably wouldn't have <laughs> had children who would have got some help or navigated it completely differently but we were just totally not on the same hymn sheet but where it came to bringing children up and so there was conflict and uh, I think that's what leads to a lot of people's conflict is that people go into marriages from different models of the world and they just there's lack of communication and because everybody seems to be so busy nowadays even when they're together, they're on the phones. Yeah. So we'll bring this into that communication. I'll also up in here for you because this is going to mirror something that we did about a month ago, which is, again, normally I wait towards the end to say, hey, here's where to go to check this out, but I'll do it right here because it's $2.99, people. Just putting that out there. Uh, <laughs> I, if you watch me sometimes, it's the, some of you get offended when we make a sales offer. This thing that I sold recently was $4.12. So relax, 
chill. But this is episode number 429. So folks that are listening, worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 429. We'll make that redirect over to the page with the audio player, the show notes and all of that. And we'll make sure we put links directly over to that book there for you here. You just hit on a theme that I'd love to kind of dive into, which is this place where anchoring and communication come together. And just love to hear your thoughts on that. So, well, like I said, with the bunny talk, that was how I was able to communicate with my daughter, because it's not just what we say. It's always the feeling that we give to people. It's the tone of voice. It's our body language. And there's, there's so much more to communication than the words that literally come out of our mouth. It is our gestures. It is our just the way we smile at somebody as we're saying it it's it, it is everything it's the the whether if your head leans in or not it's it's the intonation it's this there's so much more to communication and people can anchor in fear and and all sorts of things and it's it's yeah it, it, it's huge communication is huge so on the, on the concept of anchoring, just to get into technique of this here, is that something that you explain to your client? Is that something you put it into a framework to tell them this is what this is? Yes. So I will anchor in. So it's great for any Harry Potter lovers. Are you a Harry Potter lover? Yes. I got more into the books, the movies, mostly. Okay. But you will <laughs> yeah. know the Patronus charm. Okay, so I apologize if anybody doesn't know Harry Potter and the Patronus charm. However, what I say to people, if they anchor in their finger and thumb together, or for, we, we see lots of sports people, especially golfers, when they've just got an eagle or a birdie, whatever it is, and they, they pump their fist into the air, and they go, yes, that with their fist, that's an anchor. They're anchoring in greatness. And so, yes, I will anchor in, I've just done it this morning, actually, with a, with a young boy. We anchored in feelings of being calm, of laughing with his friends, giggling on the school bus, anchored in feelings of when he got some A's, anchored in when he did well in football, anchored in also when he's done well on a game on his console, all sorts of things. We anchored those in. And I said, that's your magic. It's your magic in your fingers. What's great about it is, again, these are things that are naturally there. I mean, I'd, I'd sometimes use the phrase that you're already doing it. I'm just going to show you how to now do this on purpose. And what's really great about the way that you phrased it, though, is that here's how you're sourcing the things that are already there, as opposed to what a lot of our community would often look towards as in, we need to create something. We need to add something. And instead, let's utilize what's already a part of that experience. Yes, we have we have all our own resources. So I, that's what I do. I, I, I really do. I believe that I, I help people use their own inner resources. And I merely act as a guide to do that. So you've mentioned working with children. What's, what's the typical um, thing that you tend to work on the most with clients? For children, it can be anger. It can be um, anxiety. They and I, I really dislike that word anxiety. How so? Okay, because it's often put on a child. The word anxiety. They don't. They don't know. They might know the feeling. So okay. So when I was little, 
Uh, and I don't know if you ever remember going to birthday parties. Did you ever have butterflies in your in your stomach before you'd go somewhere new? First day at school, it was like, ooh. So you'd have this. Well, I was always told it was, it was oh, you've got butterflies. It's just like a little bit of nervousness, and that's okay. So it's nervous excitement. Because it's like, oh, what will happen? What wonderful thing will happen? Who will I meet? What friends will I make? That is what the butterflies are about. Now, how about reframing that to a child? And take it, but, and and I, I do, I get a little bit frustrated because I've heard people say it. Oh, my child has anxiety. Yeah, they're, they're, they're full of anxiety. They've got anxiety. I'm like thinking, okay, well, they might now. <laughs> just told them. <laughs> I think this might be the second time that I reference a very important cultural moment from the cartoon Bob's Burgers, uh, which is a moment where it's the older of the three daughters on this comedy cartoon show. And it's just this moment of, but Tina, you can't do that. Well, why not? Because you have a fear of public speaking. I do. <laughs> and as someone who used to work with a ton of kids or the real, let me cross a line here, the real pediatric counseling background I have was doing magic shows at a theme park in Virginia for two years and watching the interactions between the parents and the children going, oh, I get it now. I get it now. <laughs> My wife and I have the unfortunate catchphrase of, oh, that explains everything. Yet it's it's what happens when, use it, it's wonderful. It's what happens though when suddenly it's what we know is a nominalization. There's now a word that defines it. And I think that is, I think culturally, we know the difference between depression and to be depressed about something. And it's as if like anxiety is a word that we need others for. But at the same time, we can have this conversation. We can feel anxious towards something. And it's the same as there's the definition of stress, which is that of eustress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, E-S-S, which is where it's that positive stress. Some of the most exciting moments of our life were incredibly stressful. We just didn't stop and label it that way. Exactly. Exactly, Jason. We're meant to have stress. It's how we grow and how we build resilience. We're meant to have some. Now, if you're in it for too long and it and it is a, a very unhappy event or a very scary event, then it becomes distress. So yeah, there is there is a complete difference. And everybody thinks they're not meant to have stress, not meant to have any anxiety, not meant to or, 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 and meant to be happy 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. Who says? <laughs> you know, let's get curious. Who says that? Now, um, I explain to all my clients, I draw lots of diagrams uh, for my clients, and which they then get to keep because I do a lot of emotional intelligence training. And with these, within these diagrams, I explain that we are meant to have some anxiety. It's completely normal. It is part of our fight, flight, freeze uh, from our amygdala, and it's sifting through all the time, and and it and it keeps us safe. So I explain certain things like, so for instance, if a copperhead uh, slithered into my room right now, we would jump up on my sofa, and we would not have a problem with doing that because we would have get a shot of cortisol, a shot of adrenaline, and we would have all this energy to do that. Aren't our brains wonderful? <laughs> yeah. 
that a per- I, well, I, I flashed to the example of I had a client who the joke at the end of this was, I think you should go buy a lottery ticket today, uh, which was that she was the person who would not go in her backyard out of fear there might be a snake. Oh. And then fast forward, she's on this vacation in Australia. You're already probably guessing the rest of the story. Actually then was bit by a truly venomous snake. The place where they were had whatever antidote was needed right away, went to an emergency center just to make sure everything was fine. But the end of it, she's like, just the, and her humor was wonderful to go. The irony that of course this would happen to me and even better, she goes, the fact that I had every reason to respond the way that I normally did. But this time I went, oh, that is so unfortunate. That's going to really screw up my plans today. They gave me the antidote quickly. I didn't notice any symptoms other than it was starting to feel warm, but that went away as soon as they gave the antidote. And it just was this, she goes, I should have every reason to have this fear again. And yet I've been back in my backyard because thankfully we don't have that type of snake in this part of Virginia. And I live there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we, we, we can make that decision. What you said about the expectation of constant happiness. Are there people who the default is the negativity, the cynicism? And yeah, though to find the appropriate range, a client one time who admittedly it was working on that. And in the midst of like between one of the sessions and the next, the minivan flipped over twice on I-95 on a road trip. Everybody survived. And it was at first the, I thought this would have been going better at this point. I'm looking at my notes. It's like you mentioned this was better. This was better. This happened at work and you didn't let it bother you. You slept through the night and you just survived a horrific experience having the minivan get totaled and the worst part of that, of course, is now dealing with the insurance company to get the car replaced. Let me make use of the thing I've been paying for for nine years. So it's going to kind of suck this week because you're taking taxis everywhere. Yeah. And she goes, Yeah. I needed to hear that. Thank so, you. So, <laughs> the way I explain it is that we are, if you draw a line, we are 10% on one side, 10% of the day sad, 10% of the day happy. And in between, there's, if you put a little marker in the middle. Now, you can either fall into the gap which is the going to the sad place, or you can keep going into the gain, which is your place of more being more happy. And it's always about uh, remembering where you've come from. Well, this time last year, what were you doing? What have you achieved? What have you gained this year? And it's so many people, they always want more. And then they go, oh dear, I haven't got that. I don't have that. And woe is me. And they do, you're right. People just tend to fall into the, what I call it, the gap. Yeah. Have you ever read the book, The Gap and the Gain, Dan yeah, Sullivan? That's, yeah. that's probably where I, that, I think that's pretty much where I get it from. <laughs> Dr. Benjamin Hardy, Dr. Benjamin Hardy apparently lives a mile down the road from me. Oh, does he? Well, well say hi to him for, for me because I think he's, I thought, thought that was a brilliant book. Well, I just found that out recently and I need to appropriately stalk. But aside from that, yeah. we, <laughs> we can leave that in the recording, you guys. We can leave that in for the editors. Uh <laughs> no, but it's this amazing insight as to what are the peaks and what are the valleys. And even from older systems of belief, it's that we can't appreciate those gain moments unless we've had some of those gap moments. And even to watch, I mean, the silly example that everybody in this audience would understand is my characterization of how some stage hypnosis is done. I'm doing every routine at this voice right now because now you're going to turn into a platypus in a moment. You're going to hear this music and put on that hat and, and everything's at the same tone. 
And it's about the texture. It's about the variation of that. I'm curious if a story comes to mind of, you mentioned the athlete with golf, the fist pump in the air, the the kid with the, the moment with his game. Is there a story that comes to mind of, let's say, anchoring from either unique resources or towards unique directions that's okay for us to chat through? Well, is there a story that comes to mind of just the sort of more artistic or more creative application of the anchoring principle and how it shows up inside of that work? Well, it just goes back to the bunny talk process. That That is where I it really was profound for me when I realized it was the bridge of the communication and that we could just by firing that we have my daughter and I have our little thing. And I think everybody, if they if they think about it, they will all have their, whether it be little nose rubs that they do with their children, Eskimo kisses, or there's this, it's just what the thing that you always do. I mean, what comes to mind, again, we anchor ourselves so, so much into good habits as well. And it's like my go-to thing every morning is I do exercise every morning. And and I, and I don't mind saying, and I, and I know you'll feel this one as well, because you've recently lost um, your dog. But when I lost my dog, which I still find really painful, last year, my I, I still I, I go for walks, and I still go for walks, and I expect her to be next to me. That to me is like a, a little anchor. In fact, my arm was still out for about <laughs> the whole month <laughs> with with her on my by, by my side on her leash. I think we are creatures of habit and we somaticize them we just have them in our bodies so yeah and 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 everything to do with that and so that's why we do feel loss as well so keenly when when that thing is no longer there i'm flashing to of course the same example although ours is the we did get a corgi a few years ago just for the fact of you need a dog that you just look at and laugh And that just explains everything about her. And they're herding dogs, despite the fact that they're tiny and stubby little legs. And it's more like, oh, that's kind of sad that she's looking for the older dog that's not here anymore. At the same time, though, yeah. (laughs) Uh, You hit on something there, too, though, which is I'd reference something that I kind of hit on, which was that in the shape of what I do between both clients as well as education and then the promotion that's necessary to bring in those other things too. It's that I kind of discovered there was just this clap that I was doing whenever I was starting a video take on something. And eventually it was something that an editor said to me, he's like, yeah, you always do that clap. And it makes it really easy to do the first rough cut of editing your videos because I can look at the audio track and see, oh, Jason clapped there. That's probably the beginning. And he goes, could you do me a favor though? I'm like, what is it? I'm expecting him to say, stop it. No, he goes, could you clap three times after the take that's good? That way I can see from the screen if it's like single clap, no, single clap, no, single clap, triple. Okay, there's the take we need. And it's where suddenly the, of all things, it established a new anchor that was, yes, politely inflicted upon me out of a technical request, (laughs) yet it was this little awareness is to know it's like I'm doing more things where it's just throw the camera on, hit the take. And we find these little moments and we find these little connections. And it's this, again, we're always doing this. Let's just help to amplify the ways that we do it on purpose. 
Yeah. So when I, on purpose with my clients, I will often lead them by saying, oh, there's your water there. And I will take a drink and I will notice they take their water. When I have my, because I do this, my, my, my child this morning, I do this thing where I draw, where I get the parent to draw around the child's body. And then the child and I were on the floor and we're doing various things where they feel their emotions and we colour it in and what have you. And that's all part of this course that I've developed. But towards the end, I've, the child is, because we roll it backwards and forwards, the, the paper uh, we're, we're doing um, as, as we're doing some other work on them. So we have to tidy the space up a bit in between. The child starts to help me. And that... I know then I've got real compliance and they're helping me and it's great because I'm then able to say, that's great, well done, really helpful. And I love that. Outstanding. Where can people find you online? How could they get in contact with you? So I've got my website, claudiaricardhypnosis.com. I have a Facebook group called Becoming a Happier You. Awesome. And if you could share links to those to me directly, we'll put them over I in the will. show and notes. And I've got a again. YouTube channel as well. Perfect. Yeah. And for everybody out there, just keep it simple. WorkSmartHypnosis.com forward slash 429. There'll be a lovely list of links there. And could I cryptically plug the thing that you were talking about before, but in a way that's probably okay for now? Yes. Okay. There are some awesome announcements soon to be had that involve some coordination and appropriate red tape bureaucracy and approvals. So as you hear future updates about Claudia, you can find the links also. We'll update the page, worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 429, but I didn't want to wait. So we wanted to get this out sooner. (laughs) You mentioned some of the training that you do. What can you share on that? So yes, first of all, there's several trainings I do. I do quality corporate content, and that's all of my emotional intelligence that I that I coached corporate. And then this course that I developed for children, it includes the bunny talk process, and it's around uh, again with that drawing the diet the the chi- around the child. The parent always has to draw around the child. However, it's it's a great way for the child to dissociate their body from them and actually draw where they're feeling nasty things if they are feeling nasty things which often they are if they're coming to see me and then afterwards when we've done some either havening or and I created these I haven't created anything because it's I've never it's always from somebody else but it's I've just said some different things it's with the eye movements anyway now which is NLP as well we know that and I have do that with the child and then we change change that on the on 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 their body well they do it again they are doing it they're owning they're owning the change and it's huge and then they start coming up with things that they can do I I really rarely say anything at all to the child they they come up with it I had one to the this child today saying oh well actually if I just do what I've asked to do is certain chores, then I get to go on my games quicker. And I went, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> and, and and then because he likes football, I said, well, what could you do when you're doing the vacuuming? And, it's, and, and, we, and I said, well, you know what? I said, you know how you get make lines with the, with the, with the vacuum cleaner? And he goes, yeah. And I said, what would it be like if you, when you were vacuuming, to sort of like kind of plan out a football pitch 
and then you can fill it in and then you, or you could do a basketball pitch and he was like oh that'd be fun I said great sounds good to me <laughs> you don't like working hard do you I love it <laughs> it's no how do we get from the client let them bring the creativity to it I I'll just share the quick anecdote before we begin to wrap up the time that it was the father called up the dad had seen me to quit smoking and I get this voicemail, Jason, I need you to call me quickly. My son said something incredible and I don't think I'm smart enough to deal with it. Could I bring him to you? And just without even the connection, uh, it was just like, hey, I'm actually free today, three o'clock. He goes, I'll be there. We'll come in, we're coming soon. And all it was, was that the kid said something that I had to look at his dad and be like, I want to hang out with this kid. It was, well, it's not a matter of like focus or distraction. I mean- it's just that I've been half-assing school. If I just whole-ass school, it's going to be a whole lot easier. I'm like, dude, how old are you? 11. I want to hang out with this kid. <laughs> yeah, when they the light bulb moment. Yeah, it just clicks in that moment. We're going to have to have you back on sometime soon to dive deeper into that because I want to hear more. It would be respectful of time, though. Before we wrap up, any final thoughts for the listeners out there? So, yes, you have all the answers inside of you. You just do and and get curious and always speak to yourself kindly. That's one thing, actually. That's what I, what I do get people to do. You know, that Japanese man who did the experiment on water. Do you ever tell people that story? It's, it's so important because we are, our brain is 90% water. Our body is 70% water. So speak to yourself kindly. It listens. Hey, it's Jason Lynette once again. And as always, thank you so much for helping this podcast continue to be part of the day-to-day -day conversation of our entire industry. I've given more airtime to the rest of this industry than I have myself in this program over the eight plus years that it's been rolling out. So thank you to those who continue the conversations inside of our Work Smart Hypnosis community. Use it as a springboard to reach out to the guest. You can see exactly how to connect with Claudia over at worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 429. I'll link to the book. I'll link over to her sites and her community. And as the, uh, crazy amazing project rolls out we'll update that page too if you're listening to this in the future perhaps in 2024 and beyond and while you're there too also check out worksmarthypnosislive.com power the skills of conversational change kinesthetic transformation evidence-based strategies and we guarantee one thing this is the absolute best professional hypnosis training in the entire industry taught by two instructors who are good friends, but maybe do not disagree, maybe do not agree on everything, teach on Zoom, and one lives in Florida, one's in Texas, and also the class has the perfect number of funny anecdotes around dogs. We hold that record right now. I'm just putting that out there. Okay, it's just us. But either way, head over there, check out WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. We'll see you in class soon. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at WorkSmartHypnosis.com.